0: We're going to start with the worst. We're going to end on a high note, guys. So we're going to start with the worst. And <laughs> what Cata is the worst, guys? Gorby Jeebus. <laughs>
1: back to the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Gloria. I'm Victoria. We're two chemists here to talk about all things skin science.
0: Yep and today it's a juicy one. Today we are going through the eye cream category Uh. and just trying to make sense of it. I don't know Gloria. Still don't know.
1: You might know (laughs) after this episode you might realize why we don't talk about it very much (laughs) and why it's a painful topic for us even though it's very popular.
0: Yeah. Yeah all right. Anyways, before we get into the meats, let's go through some nice words because we got some really good ones we have to share. Um, so we're going to start off with the specialist. The title is New Staple for My Acne-prone Skin. I got the sample size of this first, which I'm going to keep for traveling because I honestly think I can't be without this product. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I only started getting acne a few years ago and have tried a lot of products that all either didn't work or dried out my skin significantly, or both. Until the specialist, I'm so shocked and grateful that this doesn't dry my skin out. I've used it all three ways, but most commonly use it as a spot treatment, especially for under the skin cystic breakouts, and it works like a charm. Yay!
1: Thanks, Ooh. you. Yeah, I'm glad the specialist works for you. Um, that is my favorite way to use it as mm-hmm. well. All right. Number two. Number two, Blank Slate jug Cleanser. This title is so simple. I love it. And I love this title because <laughs> you'll see the way we talk about Blank Slate Cleanser is that we wanted a cleanser that is freaking boring. <laughs> it doesn't contain retinol. It will not sing to you. It will not cost you $45. But it will do its job. Yep. Every um, day. <laughs> <laughs> and the review goes, such a great cleanser. It removes all makeup and oil that yes. I want but doesn't take off my barrier layer like some other products I've experimented with. My esthetician got me into this brand and I'm feeling really good about it. Thanks, esthetician. Yeah, thanks so much. And we love working with our esthetician friends and really glad that you like this cleanser that mm-hmm. is actually just nailed the entire concept we want the blank slate cleanser to be when we are formulating. Yeah. Uh, we want it to be gentle uh, yet effective every day. We actually tested it on a slew of makeup products on our arms And then our arms got a little raw. So then we we had to recruit a follower to help us test the cleanser. And that's exactly what we wanted to create is a simple one and done cleanser for your everyday use.
0: Yeah. And I also just wanted to point out here, Sarah was very kind enough enough to leave her skin type. And in the description, her skin type is both oily and dry. And I don't know. I just feel like I really feel for that because... It's a mood. It's a mood and it's hard to cater to yeah, yeah so really glad this works for you awesome all right and last but not least uh we got another review about aquafix and the title is ordering a second bottle hooray well this stuff is magic i got it as a sample first along with mr reliable and it seemed to calm my skin and reduce redness almost instantly Amazing! I ordered a full-size bottle, finished it, and have been going for about two weeks without it now, and my redness and irritation has returned. So, this must be the magic elixir I've been searching for. I guess this is my new holy grail.
1: Woohoo! Thanks everyone for all your support. You know, as a small brand, we... Don't incentivize for reviews at all. These are all our customers. So um, really appreciate it. And if you want to try our products, we are still offering podcast listeners a 15% discount code.
0: Just use CC podcast 2023. All right. It's time to get into the meats. It's all right. the hefty one. Everyone stretch out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, breathe. And uh, yeah, so... Let's just say this had us, I think, going down a rabbit hole for a good a few deep, days. A deep, dark one. <laughs> so, the reason
1: being, Troy and I like to talk about uplifting things in skincare. <laughs> this has scientific evidence, hoorah. Here is how you use it, and here are some very concrete, evidence based suggestions. Mm-hmm. This is not that category. <laughs> and sometimes I really hate it when we have to be the bad news bearers. Mm. So I'm gonna call this a news mini sub segment
0: called The Award's Not Mine. It's great. <clears throat> and and to preface, this is to explain that uh, within the scientific community, this is their feeling as well. So that you don't think that we're biased and just being next fancies. Mm-hmm. So Take it away, Gloria.
1: Yes. So this is a uh, a quote from a paper that looked at different ways, both in office and topically, that treats eye area concerns like puffiness, dark circles, so on and so forth. And the quote goes, Soft tissue fillers and autologous fat grafting are the most effective in treating dark circles due to volume loss. Blepharoplasty surgery is best when excessive skin laxity is the underlying cause. Various topical creams and chemical peels are useful in treating pigment-based mm-hmm. periorbital hyperpigmentation, whereas lasers are mildly to moderately beneficial for both vascular and pigment types. Given the scarcity of high-quality evidence <laughs> supporting these results, recommendations should be interpreted selectively. Additional randomized clinical trial studying uh, periorbital hyperpigmentation will be helpful their yep. words not mine <laughs> the scarcity in data is what we're working with here so yeah and
0: interpret it selectively because just the the data that is even there i think gore i spent a good chunk of time just trying to read about the method and the general conclusion you know i think it's very easy to take you know that and also not good to take face value what's written in the conclusion because when you actually go through the study you're like i don't think this actually does anything yeah (laughs) yeah it's a little disappointing
1: (laughs) and so we are setting expectations for everyone here and we are helping everyone to interpret selectively um there's one more piece of chart i would love to share before diving in to set expectations uh this is a study done by new skin on their eye product Mm -hmm. and that i really love that i really appreciate that they did this kind of like our griping in the previous episode it showcased the percentage of subjects with improvement. Mm. And I just want to say that on the bar graph, you'll see that it, it did, this product performed the best in terms of eyelid firmness. Mm-hmm. And it did also pretty well with under eye puffiness. But then you look at the actual skill and then you see that it only goes up to 60%, which means in all of these cases, only half the people saw any improvement at all. This is not a knock to new skin. This is the eye area. It's just what it is.
0: Yeah, totally. And because of that, um, we're going to just dive into the biology a little bit so that everyone can understand why it's such a a trouble and stubborn concern. First, we should address crow's feet, mm-hmm. um, and we would say this is probably the most well un- understood, just because there's so much research on face wrinkles. Um, so we're actually not going to spend too much time there. We actually want to focus on the rest, which is dark circles, puffiness, and eye bags. And it feels like a personal attack right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, oh, oh, yes, right? I have all. Of them. <laughs> I- <laughs> right. And we wanted to like. Put some organization to these three. And originally, we were thinking, let's just break it down by each skin concern mm-hmm. and then talk about, you know, the culprits, how this happens.
1: It's not it's that easy. It's not very neat. It became like a murder mystery chart.
0: <laughs> yeah, because what t- it turns out that a lot of the same culprits can contribute to each other. Um, and they work synergistically to make you feel like, meh. Exactly. And probably we're going to show this paper here that we think kind of organizes its best, but it's also very different in that it actually makes the overarching eye concern being dark circles. And then under the dark circles category, they split it up into three types. And so the first type is actually just simple hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. This um is correlated to a pigment. They Mm -hmm. call it the infraorbital brown hue. This hue is also associated with things like freckles and melasma. So that's one category, hyperpigmentation. Then the next you have is vascular. Mm -hmm. This is actually tied to pigments that are blue, pink, and purple um, discoloration on the under eye area. It's also theorized that the vascular is actually responsible for the fluid buildup um, in the under eye area, which actually leads to puffiness. Um, So puffiness actually gets linked to this vascular category. And then finally, you have structural. This um, so is simply as literal as it sounds. Structural changes. It's a shadowing that occurs when it's caused by a change in the fat pad structure that's underneath the eye, um, and that change leads to eye bags. And we're gonna go ahead and say it. Of all three categories, structural is gonna be the area that will most likely require an in-office procedure. Yes. Just because it's a deeper structural issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That hopefully helps you give an idea of how they're thinking about the eye area biology and also understanding that because of these like um, reasons or causes, how they contribute to these other skin concerns that we are also looking to tackle. But the tough part here is papers don't actually look at it this way. This well. is a way for us to process like the morphology change that's happening Mm -hmm. but it's not the way that people are going about trying to tackle and treat the issue so in some sense you're like great organized but also don't give it too much thought
1: to (laughs) yeah not to mention that (laughs) most people have a combination of all of these yes or two of these and it's just such a hot mess and and that, and that's why that that's why most topicals is going to give you kind of lukewarm results because even if it's really good at one type, it might not cover all your bases. So,
0: yeah, that's a really good point. And Gora has a really great image that shows kind of the
1: great is a strong word here. <laughs> you're right.
0: You're right. <laughs> uh, very clear image <laughs> of the breakdown of these types and mm-hmm. how when you mix them. You know, you, it's actually the mix of the vascular pigmentation and the structural is what really gives you that real, like, Stubborn, eye concern mm-hmm. area that people are looking to treat. Um, and I feel like it's truly the real life scenario. Confession time. Yes.
1: I hate concealers. Mm. And this is par- partially why I'm very lazy. I want it to be one and done. Mm. But dark circles are complex. That's why you have correctors, then concealers, then yeah. this, then that. Then... You have
0: green ones, you have purple ones, you have... Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: It's like all these things combined create that perfect concealer, whatever. So I, ha- I went through a pocket of time where i realized that a concealer actually makes the biggest difference in terms of mm. if i putting on makeup it helps me look most put together because of my dark circles and i'll go into the store and i'm a sucker for buying everything the beauty <laughs> advisors rec- <laughs> uh, recommend for me because they do such a good job putting mm. it on i'm like wow i'm a changed woman yeah let me let me get that let me get two of that I'm like whoa okay <laughs> and i go home I just don't have the patience to layer on four <laughs> different concealers. And the thing with makeup is the best type of makeup is you spend an hour and walk out looking like you have no makeup. Yes,
0: on. totally. <laughs> and then I'm a salt mine. <laughs> no, I have to say that's so true because Gloria witnessed that before my wedding, I decided it would be a brilliant idea to join my cousins to go clubbing. And the next day she witnessed I had massive eye bags underneath <laughs> in the morning. Um, um, and yes, I would say that the makeup artist probably spent a good chunk just dabbing and layering and layering underneath my eyes. But no, in the photos, like you, you can't really tell that that area has more than the rest of my face so
1: it was yeah. real also really funny to witness um everyone coming out to victoria like, you look so beautiful and you're like i want copy gloss <laughs> and you can't tell <laughs> makeup
0: artists are magical <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, we digress. Uh,
0: anyways all right so that's the biology um we're actually gonna now start going into some of the data behind all of this um and we're gonna start with one that i feel like is just a good calibration of where all our expectations should be
1: (sighs) (sighs) again this is may not be the episode of like you know, a lot of fanfare and who's we solved this. So let's get into it. This is, oh, for, so first things first, a lot of the studies we found are pretty small. Mm. So even if it's based on interesting ingredients, we'll say it's hard for us to draw a firm conclusions from any of these studies, but they do still give us a pretty good understanding of just the state of everything totally so this is a japanese study done on a product that contains two percent vitamin k 0.1 retinol mm-hmm. and 0.1 percent vitamin c and e which i find kind of weird that c and e is combined at 0. 0.1 totally. <clears throat> so you know what looking at this combo vitamin k is one of those like kind of buzzy words semi-buzzy for um clinical brands to put into eye creams mm-hmm. because it's thought to be Really works really well for vascular type dark circles. 0.1% mm-hmm. um, retinol, again, is a very efficacious level of retinol. 0.1% vitamin C and would think, is a lot for the right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, you would look at this and be like, it's got to do something.
1: Exactly. Yes. So this was done on 57 adult Japanese volunteers with dark under eye circles and wrinkles. The gel, this is an open label study. So that means the pro, um, the peop, people already know, they see the What's final the packaging, they know what brand it's from. The gel formulation was applied twice daily to the lower eyelid side for eight weeks. So good application frequency and good duration of of study. They looked at uh, hemostasis, so kind of like looking at the broken capillaries, see if that's improved at all, Um, the pigmentation and wrinkles. They're all evaluated by a physician and the patient themselves. So that's um, the more clinical side and then the consumer reception side. They also use a digital camera and a visual analog scale respectively. And then let's get into the results. Ahem. Topical application of the gel decreased not only hemo, uh, hemostasis, but also wrinkles after eight weeks of treatment. Sounds promising. After 57 patients, 47% had a reduction in hemostasis. Wait, I was told that it worked. <laughs> I was told that it worked, and now you're telling me we, less than half. We think
0: that's not passing. Yes
1: wrinkles were also decreasing some patients they did not they decided to just leave off some the, how many is some at this
0: point you guys have to understand when <laughs> these researchers start writing more and more generic descriptors you should become even more and more skeptical
1: yep however pigmentation was not clearly removed by
0: this gel Ta da! <laughs> <laughs> and that is the state of the eye cream research landscape i think that and you know it's not to say that these ingredients don't work it's to say that the concern is so complicated Mm -hmm. that it's really hard to get a majority like benefit to see benefit in a majority of these subjects yeah Um, well remember the new skin study referenced in the previous episode it just seems like the
1: more studies we look at the more we realize that 50 percent seems to be (laughs) that
0: mark that if you hit
1: it if half
0: the patients improve you're like like, (laughs) and also this explains why you'll see on a lot of like eye cream reviews um you'll see not many of them really hit like four stars um just because that is just the nature of eye creams. Um, So in terms of the landscape, I think one thing we just want to really quickly get out of the way is caffeine. What's up with caffeine and puffiness? (laughs) And yes, we can tell you that there are studies out there that show that it really doesn't do much for puffiness. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, one of these studies, their conclusion was, However, the overall efficacy of the selected caffeine gel in reducing puffy eyes was not significantly different from that of its gel base, the placebo.
1: Ah, so again... Their words, not ours. We are not just caffeine haters. We are not paid off by Big Peptides who trash our caffeine. <laughs> <Big And peptide.
0: laughs> I have a love that someone's like, they're funded by Big Peptides. <laughs> we
1: are not. Yeah. So, yes, unfortunately, even something that's traditionally thought of as highly effect- effective is not so much. Yeah, And
0: I've also went ahead and scoured the caffeine eye cream landscape to see if any of the brands actually did any testing on Mm -hmm. their caffeine creams. I would say none, unless they actually come with a pretty heavy hitting active paired with it. Mm -hmm. That could be anything from vitamin C to retinol. Um, So this is why we really don't care about caffeine. Yeah. Hate to say it sorry <laughs> sorry all right moving on now i know we kind of prefaced with saying about um how eye bags mm-hmm. usually are going to require an office procedure but if you scour the landscape you will find a study that talks about egf yes egf is epidermal growth
1: factors it is a really hot topic mm-hmm. that's another one that we haven't spent that much time on mostly because sourcing Who it's from, how much is it using, stability, (laughs) delivery mechanism. There's a lot under the hood that's really hard to decipher based on what the brands are willing to share um, but it is a hot topic there are some egfs that seem pretty promising so there is a small study out there um, with only just 18 subjects that use the an egf eye cream on people with eye bags and after 12 weeks of twice daily application they did see a reduction of eye bags
0: before you go and run off and buy an egf eye cream did want to note here that Apparently, the EGF that they are using, the description is 5 ppm of bioengineered barley derived human synthetic EGF serum. And so that already tells us that that's probably not truly made its way down the pipeline to actual Mm -hmm. production. And this is why we say sourcing is incredibly important and so for you know any sort of egf serum we always recommend if you can find any sort of clinical data that would be the best insurance policy Mm -hmm. all right so moving on Let's talk about anything new in the landscape. And I think we should definitely address all of the vitamin C eye cream launches that have yes. happened.
1: Part of the reason why we decided to do this episode, because we so obviously have been avoiding this topic <laughs> for like two years. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. It's because we see a gazillion new launches in vitamin C mm-hmm. um, eye creams. And we get a lot of questions about them. So we're like, alright, we can't avoid this forever. Let's dive into it So honestly, when we we originally decided to do this episode, we really thought it would just be, okay, let's dial super focus. Vitamin C is a well-established ingredient. In my mind, uh, how it will go is, I will find papers on vitamin C, which form is it? Is it ascorbic acid? Is it the THD that's really popular right Mm -hmm. now? Find some paper to support it, and then we'll talk about the products. Yeah, no, it didn't work out like that. (laughs) I found a grand total of uh, one study that that looked at, it's another Japanese study, that looked at a whopping 10% sodium ascorbate, not MAP or SAP, the ascorbate form, which is pretty rare. And I don't mm. even, I can't even think of a single product that actually yeah, used this form. True. And also 10% ascorboglucoside, which is very high for this particular molecule. Mm-hmm. It is a tiny study. One cell only has six people. The other one had eight. What's really interesting is this is done for six whole month, mm. split phase, double placebo, uh, double blind placebo control. So that means um, you have six people use have, uh, on one side of the eye and use the placebo. The other half used the 10% sodium mm. ascorbate. So on and so forth for six months. Whew. It's other than the study size, which is tiny, it's actually set up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And here's the result. Ahem. Dermal thickness tended
0: to be thicker. Excuse me, tendon? tended? Tended.
1: <laughs> their words, not mine. I'm I'm just a reading machine right now. <laughs> to be thicker for the ascorbit, sodium ascorbate treated site, more than the vehicle treated site. Although no significant difference was seen, I will say, not shocking. You got six people, yeah. man. Like, I'd be shocked if it's significant. Both erythema index and dermal thickness tended to change in a parallel manner. Tended? Yes. Excuse me, Mr. Elba, what
0: does tendon <laughs> I mean? I am down. Mr. Elba is
1: busy right now. Um, on the other hand, no significant difference in changes of the erythema index and the melanin index mm. and dermal thickness were found between the glucoside and the vehicle treated sites. This Great. is very awkward. Oh, <laughs> this is so super sad. awkward. So, um, ascorboglucoside is thought to be a pretty effective Yes. Um, pigment fighter. Yes. So this kind of shows the complications of eye area concerns in general. Yeah. Because what might be happening is a glucoside can be okay at treating the hyperpigmentation
0: aspect of your eye area. Yeah.
1: But that's rarely the only cause to dark circles. So the result is lukewarm. I
0: just yeah. had another random thought that I realized why clinicals probably are not set up for success. Mm-hmm. We already know that, you know, you've got these different pigment types in your eye bags mm-hmm. and the subjects the way you screen for eye bags or even just eye area concerns is actually pretty general mm-hmm. you're looking at a general grading scale visually mm-hmm. and I feel like there's no way unless you're willing to pay a lot of money you'd be able to screen for the perfect amount of pigment under your eye to really get a good sense of if this ingredient's actually tackling it.
1: Actually, that's a great point because um, the chart that we show of the different types of dark circle and different causes, that's obviously done with a very special lighting, so you can pick those things apart. Ain't nobody got time to actually sit down and then use that (laughs) lamp to pick and choose subject matter. So, exactly. That's exactly why it's
0: kind of lukewarm all around. Totally. Well... (laughs) That'll be fun when we start actually talking about our vitamin C eye creams and me part two. But yeah. we're going to move on. <laughs> we're moving on. Vitamin supplements? Really? Yes. So they
1: have even looked at the clinical effects of oral supplement mm-hmm. using, you guessed it, um, antioxidant-based supplements containing vitamin C, flavonoids, and zinc for Mm -hmm. eight weeks. This particular study looked at 35 women. They took these um, antioxidant supplements once a day over eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And they actually broke it down very granularly. Mm -hmm. The results said that skin red, pink, and olive, I actually really love that. The undertone can definitely play a part to the perception of dark circles. Mm They were significantly improved up after supplementation. Luminosity was increased by 25.9%, whereas brightness and transparency were not affected by supplementation. Facial skin imperfections were significantly reduced after antioxidant rich formulation intake. Global reduction of around 18%. Indeed, comma, I find papers <laughs> with fluff wars to be kind of eyebrow raising. <laughs> Indeed, dark circles, redness, and spots significantly diminish after oral treatment. Firmness and elasticity have been shown to be improved. Have been shown to be improved. Uh Uh-huh. Subjects were globally satisfied. (laughs) Sorry, that's what she said. (laughs) We're so mature. (laughs) (laughs) Globally satisfied. 82.4%. Me thinks that's a light uh, definition of global, but mm-hmm. um, and, and have found improvements on their facial skin. Furthermore, sixty-four point seven percent
0: reported to look
1: better at the end of the supplementation.
0: Yeah, I, you know, this isn't the most atrocious paper. Yes, and like Gloria said, the fact that they were granular about the type of improvement um, is good. But I will say when you read minus 18 percent global reduction, uh, I just want to say visually that would be it's actually can be um, not as clear visually and seeing that benefit. The camera can track those improvements so much better than we can. Yep. Honestly, for me, I would just kind of wish this study went on for longer. Yeah,
1: exactly. So eat well I don't think I don't think this actually makes a strong case for having like you don't have to buy this particular thing but if you're already taking care of yourself you're taking whatever general um multivitamins that work for you you don't gotta buy the 120 dollars type of supplements (laughs) please don't
0: (laughs) of all the things you take away from that yeah yes okay yes totally agree in conclusion (laughs) we know we're ending the research side Feeling a, a little bit, yeah, feeling a little bit frazzled. Maybe not feeling like there's a really big conclusion here. Um, what we can say is that ultimately, it's just managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Will an eye cream be able to erase all of your eye concerns? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Will it be able to tackle crow's feet? Probably. It might even lighten dark circles. Um, and that's that's about as far to- as topicals will go. I think the other thing I did want to emphasize is that in these studies, it's very apparent that eye creams need more time. So if you're ever curious about, is my eye cream working for me, we'd probably give it at least 12 weeks to really yeah. draw a conclusion here. Just because, like we said, these eye creams are trying to tackle actually multiple concerns that are working together to make our skin very difficult. Yes. Um, but otherwise, um, in meat part two, not to worry, we're actually going to go through the eye creams themselves And help people figure out what's a better eye cream to purchase and one maybe you can do without. Um, But otherwise, we're going to take a break. We have to take a break. I think you guys need a break. (laughs) So we're going to go to our Animal Fun Fact Corner. And we're going to break, break, break it up. Break, break, break it up. Break, break, break it up. Yeah. Animal Fun Fact Corner. All, all right. right. What are we talking about today, Gloria?
1: This I'm very excited about. <laughs> um, we follow a channel by Zefrank. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't know him, check out his YouTube channel. He makes hilarious and really informative. adorable, informative animal videos yeah. on all sorts of random. Crab. <laughs> Random <laughs> species you may not know about. Yeah. And um, we actually noticed this little guy in his little countdown slash uh, animal awards video recently. So we are going to talk about the pumpkin toadlet. Sounds so cute. It is so cute. So this is also known as a spig saddleback toad. And these are bright, col- brightly colored orange little toad- toadlets that can fit on probably like your fingertips. They are pretty much the size of an M&M tiny yeah. tiny adorable they're found in brazil um, usually on floors of rainforest and they are poisonous mm. they i read that their toxins are from the same family as pufferfish don't eat them i don't think <laughs> i hope if you, you see don't want to eat the bright orange toad in the <laughs> it's not amazon they're very nutritious they're so small <laughs> Yeah. I, I hope your instinct isn't to go like wow so <laughs> yes <laughs> So they're tiny. <laughs> they're poisonous. They reproduce about once a year during rainy season. And what I find really adorable is that they actually hatch little toadletlets <laughs> straight out the egg. <laughs> Toadlets squared? No. Yes. They're already <laughs> toadlets because they're tiny. So even <laughs> tinier form, they're babies, come right out. They actually don't. like skip the tadpole stage, uh, unlike other frogs and or toads. So yeah, very, very cute. And, but we're not here today to talk about how adorable they are. Mm-mm. We are here to talk about
0: how hilariously derpy they are when they jump. Yeah. It turns out that their ear canals... Are so small that it actually doesn't allow liquid inside the canal to move fast enough to maintain balance. And what this means is, the frog will leap. It will leap beautifully, hind high high legs extended, legs apart. It's so graceful. But you're you're gonna want to imagine that impact because this frog does nothing to brace itself for impact. This frog is coming in for a landing and basically lands by belly flopping or actually face planting into the ground and we will show you a clip here yep. for all of those it looks very tragic yep it,
1: the, the frog is not dead we promise it <laughs> yeah. literally goes rigid like um perfect takeoff formation yeah. Yeah. but then it stays in that takeoff formation and then just goes doink
0: Doink 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 doink. <laughs> Zero brace for landing. You know when you watch the Olympics and you watch uh, diving mm-hmm. and you see a dive that goes wrong and you're like, oh no that's exactly what that feels like because
1: it's tiny and cute it's also it's just really (laughs) adorable and hilarious to look at
0: yeah if you ever have played the game q in a previous life at school for you know shits and giggles for people our age yeah uh it basically looks like that yeah doesn't have control of its limbs on impact
1: yeah i feel like after recording i'm
0: gonna go play like half an hour q-op now
1: (laughs) my record is like four steps
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that's the pumpkin toadlet. Those guys just keep on hopping despite not landing correctly. <laughs> oh my god.
1: That's so <laughs> tragic but
0: adorable. Yep, so that's the animal fun fact corner of the day. Woo! We hope you enjoy it. And that's our break. We're gonna get into meat part two. Yeah, we have to uh, keep this break short sure, because this <laughs> is another dance part. <laughs> dance. Who is losing oxygen?
1: I am losing it! <laughs> So we are going to attempt to break down the eye cream landscape for you guys. And it's such a popular product category. Yes. And there's just so many of them. So we're going to try to keep it a little bit more narrow. We're going to focus on the vitamin C landscape. For so the most part. For the most part. So most of the examples will be even just within that category. Just keep it a little neater. But the reality is um, the way we break it down, it applies to all eye creams. So you can keep that in mind as you're looking for your product
0: and the reason why we decided to do that is because well as you can tell there's no organization in the science part yeah so we thought it was best to actually simply categorize by the amount of data brands do to prove that maybe their their eye cream does something for us um so we basically broke it off into three classes
1: yep first up
0: We're going to start with the worst. We're going to end on a high note, guys. So we're going to start with the worst. And what is the worst, Gloria? Jeebus. This
1: This is where you might get your rosary out, say a little quick prayer, because it really takes a leap of faith, a... Orange toadlet, leap of faith in here. <laughs> God, see. I hope not a <laughs> pumpkin toadlet landing. <laughs> uh, doing in here to see if it works. So no. basically, its category. Yeah, okay. We don't see any data. We don't see any testing. We have no gauge, no understanding of how these will perform at all. And so, first off, <laughs> I feel like we're giving an award. The participants in this category <laughs> include uh, Scarlett Johansson's The Outset, which uses actually a scorable glucoside in this eye cream. She has a blend of actives. She has a hyalurocet complex, serves as a botanical alternative to hyaluronic acid. Okay. <laughs> didn't know that that was, it was <laughs> I didn't a need know for that. Give that a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Nourishing, visibly plumping, and mm. smoothing skin. Again, this will be your core moisturization function. This will not, you know, target your dark circles or puffiness and things like that. She has ascorbyl glucoside, which is a, um, a water-soluble form of C that visibly brightens and revitalizes skin. No uh, percentage given. No percentage given. And this, you remember from part one, from that one small Japanese study with 10 whopping percent of this, it does... Don't know what. what? <laughs> so given that this product itself doesn't come with the testing, so we have no additional information on whether or not this will do anything for the eye area. And this is why we put this into category Jeebus.
0: Get religious. Um, I also do want to call out something that I always like. The formulator in me is kind of like, mm, is uh, the second ingredient in this ingredient list is silica. E- which means... E- <laughs> that's a lot of silica it's a lot of powder it's yeah. gonna blur your face <laughs> yeah so you know more makeup than maybe even skincare i don't know
1: yeah and if you have dry skin if you're worried about you know makeup kind of setting to the lines mm. under your eye area i personally would recommend it i mean silica can be formulated in a way that it kind of sets up your eye area or your face for makeup application but personally because i have dry skin and just makes it feel that much drier so i'm not a fan
0: totally we also wanted to um put in this category some like more top or famous um products in here so dr jart's ceramidum eye cream is actually quite popular it Mm -hmm. comes with niacinamide no real data to be found unless someone else has found something out there please share and then the third one, my goodness, Lemaire's Lifting Eye Serum. Yep. Nothing. We've found nothing that tells us why we should and be the spending winner is hundreds of dollars.
1: the winner is because it's like $150 for Lord knows what. So
0: That's yeah. a big Jeebus. <laughs> it's the Jeebus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. Me. Moving on. Category two. We would consider this like mid-tier. Um, these are, you could call them clinical, but they really are more just on co- consumer perception studies, um, where the subject just simply evaluates their own progress. Every time point, week, two, week, four week eight, they might come in, feel uh, fill out a questionnaire, you know, kind of, noticing their own improvements um but there's no actual measurement Mm -hmm. or expert grading that's done to kind of track all of that so this is why we call it mid-tier
1: yeah and the reality is most products nowadays play in this category um i would say for for certain other category of products we wouldn't weigh consumer perceptions heavily but in the field of eye creams data is sparse so we gotta take what we can get. Yeah. Uh, and one of the examples from this category is Herbivore Supernova. Yeah. Uh, this product uses THD ascorbate, mm-hmm. I think at 3%. And usually in all other categories, we'll try to do a decode, we'll reference some papers and tell you what three what you should be able to expect from 3% on THD ascorbate. But in the eye area, we, ju- we just don't know all that much about it. And the study that Herbivore choose to do is a seven day consumer perception study. And if you don't know what counts as a perception st- uh, consumer perception study, you will notice lingo like blank percent agreed with, blank percent saw n, and these are all questionnaire-based
0: responses. Think about human actions, mm-hmm. human verbs, mm-hmm. then that would be a consumer perception study. Yep. So uh, we're just going to call out a couple here. 95% agreed. Eyes looked more refreshed, rested, awake after seven days. saw an improvement of appearance of under-eye dark circles. 86% agreed that it reduces the appearance of puffiness. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those, it's a choice. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's it. Uh, They also did a makeup study as well Mm. to talk about their use experience layering, which I think is kind of nice because it can be a problem, especially because Eye creams, you're actually supposed to use twice a day. Right. So, yeah. In this category, we also did want to give a shout out to Paula's Choice C5 eye cream, mainly because they use the word clinically proven, but it's also a consumer perception study. So just, I think this is where Lauren and I really feel like it can get confusing very quickly, where mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, they did all of the testing, mm-hmm. um, put all the bells and whistles on the launch. but. No.
1: Yes. So it has the typical lingo that you can expect from consumer perception study. So ninety-five percent agrees that instantly moisturizes. Eighty-eight percent agrees skin feels smoother. So on so forth. I do want to shout, give this a shout out, or a, take a closer look at this study. It is done based on self-assessment on independent consumer study center with sixty-nine people after twenty-eight days Mm. this is where the fine print matters so compare this study with the herbivore study which is half the sample size at only one week will still place a lot more weight on the polished choice results just because at longer term you have a much better understanding of long-term efficacy seven days is just
0: too short of time totally that's a really good point And in terms of other products that fall into this category, you're looking at Drunk Elephant Sea Tango. They did an eight week consumer perception. You also have You To The People. They also did an eight week consumer perception with some immediate benefits. So what does that say? There's probably a powder in there. Okay. Powder! (laughs) Welcome
1: back, morning train! (laughs) Yeah,
0: so that's it for the mid-tier, the average category. Now let's focus on the best. Yep.
1: So the best of course is ones with actual clinical data. So things that Mm -hmm. uses, um, either a professional expert grader that look at the improvement and place a quantitative analysis on it, or actual image analysis that tracks the changes in skin, dark circles, so on and so forth. Um, and one of the best example of this is a. Paper by the brand Sandy. On top of doing the clinical study, they did it in a way where they were able to publish a paper on it. Yeah. It only had 18 subjects. It's not a lot of people, but again, the data is so scarce that this can already be considered a somewhat of a gold standard study. In the Senti study, this was done over 12 weeks, which is a very significant amount of time for eye cream. And it gives you a much better gauge for the results. And they were able to see significant improvement in terms of just general puffiness and pigmentation around the eye.
0: Yeah, I actually do give this paper a lot of brownie points. They actually went through the effort of looking at um, kind of like red hue imaging to kind of track that pigmentation process. We'll show pictures of that imaging here. Um, That's extra work. That's extra analysis, you know, so they can mark that kind of improvement. So all in all, this is great. The product, I hate to say it, but also because of the research makes sense. Um, I believe the product is $90 for 15 mils. Hey,
1: that's cheaper than La Mer. Yeah, there you go. There you go.
0: (laughs) So anyways, yeah, we would say this is a gold star for Mm -hmm. us. Another product is Ole Henriksen's Banana Bright.
1: Yep. I think they have a semi more merged with makeup version Mm -hmm. of it. This is the one in a tub, the eye cream version. And a telltale sign for actual clinical measurement is a number that's way lower than 90%. So when you say 90% solid improvement, most likely consumer perception, this one says 20% brighter under eye. And what we can assume is this is most likely some sort of expert grader or instrument analysis. And that's actually quantifiably 30% brighter under eye. Across the border, on average, the 29% brighter under eye claim is used after eight weeks. Again, like any other eye cream studies, we will still take a closer look at the fine print because you will look at uh, claims like, oh, it eyes appear brighter after just one use. Again, look for that silica, look for that boron nitrate as just an instant, in fact, powder. Doing its work there not meant to be a long-term improvement. Uh, And the last claim uh, on this eye cream is a 40% reduction in crow's feet. Again, this means it's an average number that's using some sort of quantifiable method. So we give this study a pretty decent weight, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Other products that fall into the best category is Dermalogica's Biolumen, who -hmm. did an eight-week study, uh, an eight-week clinical. Murad also did a clinical that marked at two weeks and six weeks for brighter eye well actually this one i kind of just wanted to pause really quick because the two stats they share is that at two weeks 86 percent saw brighter eye area skin but then at six weeks they say 85 percent saw a reduction in dark circles and it just made me think that that two week saw brighter eye area just feels like such a lukewarm i'm reaching for any sort of benefit here yeah <laughs> it's like just like a much softer claim versus reduction in dark circles so give it at least six weeks yes
1: and i want to say that i love a good bna and a couple before and after picture and a couple episodes ago victoria made a good point that she's worried that bnas Mm -hmm. are becoming so heavily weighted that people brands feel okay putting the one best picture yes. and leave out the stats yes. which is a dangerous field to go down totally. in however i would say in the eye cream category i put a lot of weight in before and afters because you'll realize that people don't put any of it up yeah partial, most likely because the results
0: are kind of you'll also look at the improvements and just like i said you know t- seeing a 20 percent improvement is mm. good but to see it in a before Visually. and after like I think it's I slightly see it. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I just have to shamelessly plug our double play here. Mm-hmm. We also ran it through a clinical um and by 6 weeks it, we did also see a reduction in dark circles. And just you know, just had to put it there. You know, and we went through, through the whole twelve
1: weeks, mm-hmm. and it just kept getting better. So yeah. Yeah, but, you know. Anyways, <laughs> just you know, I had
0: to throw that out there. Yes. Anyways, so to wrap up the eye cream landscape, I did also want to address the fact some of you have wondered or and asked us, well, can't I just use my face creams under my eye area? Yes, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, moisturizer is probably totally fine. When you start getting into these higher actives, one thing that Gloria and I were conscious about with double play is the eye area is more delicate. Skin Mm -hmm. is thinner. It can react differently. Um, One of the bigger issues is milia. And um, it's simply because too much active for that area and you get this like buildup of protein under Mm -hmm. the skin. So we would say, yes, just be cautious. Mm -hmm. And I think probably some of the things maybe don't put under your eye or anything that has like a very low pH um yeah yeah that would probably be my I think, general guideline
1: i think we had someone ask about using our gold standard which has 30 percent glycolic acid under the eyes and we're like no, no please hold, no hold up no. <laughs> me thinks it's not the best idea <laughs> um so, but yeah we hope that this was helpful yeah it's very there's a lot of products out there this area yeah. gets very confusing we will summarize a lot of this and maybe put a couple of things we didn't include in yeah. podcasts podcast in a blog post. So you can check out and read some more about this here. But yeah, if you have any questions, which I,
0: I think after this, you might have a
1: lot of questions. Sure. You can always reach out to us.
0: The goal is that at least when you start shopping for it, you have a general sense of like, I don't know if I believe this claim that I would always I already feel like this podcast episode is a success, you know, and hopefully that, you know, at the end of the day, we are able to manage expectations. As you can see, there's a lot of like after one use, after one day, overnight, you know, and that really doesn't help in like us being able to assess, OK, what is it actually going to do? How long does it actually take? Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, while. You know gore and i've always said it's been really hard to wrap our brains around um an upcharge on a tiny pot of formula you know it's definitely a really challenging concern that both of us really care about yep. ourselves personally so yeah we hope um it at least makes navigating it just a little less crazy mm-hmm. and confusing but otherwise you have us reach out to us you can find us at uh, chemistconfessions.com. That's mm. where all our blog content lives. You can write to us at info at chemist.com. What did I say? <laughs>
1: <Chemist.com>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> info at chemistconfessions.com. You can DM us at our Instagram at chemist.confessions. Otherwise, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you next time.
1: It will be we don't know what yet, but it will be a weekly podcast. So we'll see you next week.
0: Yeah. Enjoy, guys. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye.